Thank you so much. Well, good morning, Grace Commons. How are you? Great to see some faces here today, and welcome to all of you who are joining us online. We are so glad you are here today. My name's Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of wrapping up and closing out this series we've been on called Dangerous Prayers. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? All right, yes. It's been a powerful, powerful series. We've already looked at the prayer from Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Okay, that was week one. And then we looked at this prayer to empower me from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We looked at speak to me from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we also last week looked at David's powerful prayer to cleanse me, Psalm 51. And maybe you're wondering why are these prayers considered dangerous? And the reason we've labeled this series Dangerous Prayers is simply because when you pray these kind of prayers, you have no idea what God's going to do in your heart and life. When we pray these prayers, I believe God confronts us in our complacency, sometimes in our spiritual apathy, and he pulls us out from where we're living in a place of perceived safety. Uh, And he invites us to follow him without restraint, to love him unconditionally, and to serve him with all of our hearts and lives. These prayers are dangerous because when we pray them, they have the tendency, they have the possibility to forever disrupt the status quo in our spiritual lives. And today we're going to continue with one last dangerous prayer. But before we do that, if you're watching online, I would just love uh, if you could open up the chat and just put in the chat which of these prayers has challenged you and encouraged you the most. Is it search me, speak to me, cleanse me, empower me? And maybe if you're here, whisper to the person next to you. Don't don't shout across the room because that's against COVID regulations, right? But whisper to the person next to you. Tell them which of these prayers has most inspired and challenged and encouraged you. As we get ready to go to uh, our last prayer uh, of this series. You know, I've loved this series personally because I believe that what we pray says a lot about who we are and our relationship with God and what we really think God is all about. I believe that the content of our prayers matters because what we pray reflects what we believe to be true about God. And it's worth examining our prayers because if all of our prayers are simply about ourselves, God, do this for me, do that for me, help me with this, I need this, I want that, If that's all our prayer life is, then I believe God would call us and invite us to grow and mature in our prayer life. I believe through praying dangerous prayers, we can pivot. And when we pivot, we begin to pray prayers that are God-centered and other-focused. Now hear me out. I'm not saying that we should never pray about what we need or what we want. God cares in surprising ways about the things that matter to us. He cares about the small things in our lives, but if we're only ever praying about those, I think God wants to challenge us to pray a little bit more dangerously in our faith. And I believe that God wants to call us out of that place of our our own comfort, our own convenience, perhaps our complacency, and invite us into a place of calling and destiny. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bible, open up to Isaiah chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you a little bit story about the first time that I prayed this particular dangerous prayer. 
I was 16 years old, and I was, I was contemplating, entertaining, thinking about going on a mission trip. In fact, I'd already committed to go on a mission trip. I'd never been on one before. This would be my first mission trip as a high school student. And as I was thinking about it, I decided I had some other things that felt more important to me. Some other things that I would rather spend my time doing. I didn't really want to go on this trip. But one morning I woke up and I sensed the Lord just tugging on my heart. And I, I prayed a dangerous prayer, a prayer we've already talked about. As I sat with my Bible, I said, okay, Lord. I sense you pulling on the, the heartstrings here. So, Lord, if you, want to go on, if you want me to go on this trip, just speak to me. We've already covered that's a dangerous prayer. And I played a little game called Bible Roulette. How many of you know what Bible Roulette is? Right? It's when you need God to speak and you randomly open the Bible and point and say, What saith the Lord? Anybody ever done that? All right. I'm not necessarily advocating it, but in this particular case... God did it. I opened my Bible randomly, and it opened to Isaiah chapter 6, and I had one verse highlight it and underline on that entire page. And when my eyes fell on that verse, my heart sank in my chest, because this is what the verse said. And remember, I'm praying about my first mission trip and if I should go. I'm asking God to speak to me, and it says this, And then I heard, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? And I said, here am I. Send me, Lord. Right. I was like, what just happened? Right. God in that moment gave me a rhema word, a spoken word from his written logos word. God took a, a scripture completely out of context, right, but used it to speak to my heart in this moment. And that's okay, right, in our personal lives. We don't want to build doctrine and theology out of context. That's dangerous. But sometimes God will use a scripture, a, a passage, a verse, and it hits you right between the eyes and you know it's the Lord speaking to you. And on that cold February morning in 1996, I closed my Bible and I said, Lord, I want to be used by you. Here am I. Send me. And I had no idea what hung in the balance of that dangerous prayer. You see, for me, that became a defining moment that would go on to define my whole life. Right? This was a minute that I can point to that started a movement in my life. This was looking back. I didn't know it then, but I see it now. This was the moment that I felt God began to call me into ministry. One dangerous prayer can change the trajectory of your whole life. And that's what happened to me on that February morning in 1996. Now, some of you might be confused when I say God called me because when we think about a calling, right, we usually think someone's picking up the phone, punching in the numbers, hoping to talk to someone on the other end, and praying that you're not automatically sent to voicemail, right? Maybe you have something to say and you're saying, guys, I hope they don't send me to voicemail, right? Some of you, like, we're, we're familiar with that, right? We, we have these modes long before there were pay phones, long before there was landlines, long before there was cell phones, there was another kind of calling. And it was the calling of the Lord. It's been there since the beginning of time. And it will be here until the end. And, and when he calls us, he is inviting us into his unique purpose and plan for our life. He's inviting us into something that's beyond what we thought was possible for ourselves. He's inviting us to follow him, to surrender everything, and to say, Lord, I am a willing, empty vessel. Here I am. Use me. That's the moment of calling. Now, as we're thinking about calling, how many of you know sometimes you look down at your phone and you see a name or, or a face, 
and your heart sinks because you know if you answer that call, the next 45 minutes of your life is gone. Right? The, the person on the other end of the phone, you know that when you answer, they're going to be complaining about this or whining about that. And, and you know that it's going to be 45 minutes. And if you're honest, aren't you tempted just to send them a voicemail? Right? But let's be even more honest. Not only do you send them a voicemail, but then later you pretend like you never got their message. Right? Oh, you called me? Are, are you sure you got the right number? Right? There are people like that, right? That you just, I don't want to answer that call. But sometimes when God calls us, it's the same. There have been times when God has called me to do something. When I wished, if I'm honest, that I could just push a button and send him to voicemail. Right? I'm just being honest. There are times that God, I don't want to do that. Because I know that if I do that, it might not just require the next 45 minutes of my life. It might permanently alter the trajectory of my life. Sometimes we're scared to answer that particular call. And the reason I think that we're often scared to answer his call is because we feel unqualified. We feel inadequate. Sometimes we feel unprepared to do what God is asking us to do. How many of you have been there? You felt that. God's inviting you to step into something, and, and all of a sudden you're like, God, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not prepared to do this. And, and here's the news. You might be right. Chances are, if God's asking you to do something, you, it, you're not ready. You're, you're not qualified. You're not prepared. But the good news is, you don't have to be. Because how many of you know God doesn't call the qualified? He qualifies the called. He's not just looking for people who have a special ability. He's looking for servants of God who will make themselves available. It's not about ability. It's often about availability. And God specializes in using broken people who are weak, flawed, and imperfect to do things that just seem outrageous and completely preposterous to us. He invites us to trust him, to follow him. And simply to pray this dangerous prayer of availability that says, here am I, use me, God. Here am I, send me, Lord. And sometimes when we pray this dangerous prayer, we don't realize that we're, we're setting the table for God to uh, divinely interrupt our lives. We're setting the table for God to set us up. We're, we're setting the table for what I call a holy shift moment. Now, I want you to be careful. There's an F in there. Shift. Holy shift. All right. There are these moments in our lives where we experience these holy shifts where we have an encounter with God. And that encounter with God leaves our hearts burning and leaves our heads spinning and permanently alters the trajectory of our life. That's what can happen when we pray this dangerous prayer of availability. And here's what I'm learning. If we want to see God do the super... We've got to be willing to do the natural, right? If we'll do the natural, God might just show up and do the supernatural. If we'll do the possible, God might just show up and do the impossible. But we can't expect God to do something super in our lives if we're not willing and eager to step in and do what is possible. To put ourselves in a position where we see God's divine intervention. So maybe there's something even now already in this service that God is bringing to your mind, that God is stirring in your heart. And you're realizing that he's been inviting you. He's been uh, prodding you, prompting you, calling you, pulling you, pushing you 
to do something that maybe you haven't done yet. And maybe the reason you haven't done it is because, again, you feel unqualified or you feel unprepared. If that's you and and you're feeling that way this morning, I just want to remind you about the kind of people that God calls. Remember, God called Moses, who was a murderer. God called David, who was an adulterer. God called Rahab, who was a prostitute. Let's not forget Noah, who got drunk. Or Isaac, who was a daydreamer. Or Joseph, who was abandoned by his family. Let's not forget Jeremiah, who was sure that he was too young. Or or Abraham, who was convinced that he was too old. God called and used Elijah, who battled depression. And Naomi, who, who was bitter. And Martha, who was a worrywart. And John the Baptist, that dude ate bugs, right? I mean, God can use anyone. God can use absolutely anyone to do absolutely anything as long as we are willing to be available to him. Again, God specializes in using people who feel unqualified. And the same God who used imperfect people throughout the pages of Scripture is the same God who used imperfect people in our present times. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And maybe today God wants to stir something in your heart to cause you to take just a small step of faith forward. And who knows what God will do when he meets you in that place of obedience. As I scan the scriptures, uh, I see different responses to how you and I respond when God calls us. Now, for some of us, you're going to recognize these. You're going to see yourself in one of these, or, or at least for me, I can see myself at different times in each of these. So I want us to look at three responses uh, when God calls us. Uh, the first one is the response I'll call the runner. And the runner says this, here am I, God, but I ain't going. Right? I'm here, Lord, and I, I hear what you're saying me to do, but I'm going to go ahead and say that's, that's a hard no. Okay? I, I ain't doing that. And maybe you can think of a time in your own life where that's been true for you. I think of Jonah when I think of a scriptural example. Let's just look at the first few verses of the the minor prophet, the book of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and hid it for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went on board and sailed for Tarshish. Why was he doing this? The Bible tells us to flee from the Lord. How many of you know you cannot outrun God? All right, just ask Jonah. If you don't believe me, if you don't know the story, I encourage you, read the end of the story. Running from God doesn't turn out well. Right? And I sense that maybe some of us this morning are in a place where we're running from God relationally or running from what he's calling us to do. And my prayer for you today is that you will hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you and saying, do not run. I have great things in store for you. We cannot outrun the will and the heart of God. So I hope that when God calls us to do something, we won't be like Jonah. We won't, we won't drop an unholy no we won't, we won't make a hard stop and say, no way, God, I'm not doing that. But we'll say, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Now, now, the second one we might also identify with, this is what I call the insecure. 
And the insecure is simply this, God, here I am, but send somebody else. Like literally, for God's sake, for your own sake, send somebody else. I am not the man or the woman for this job. This isn't something that I can do. Someone else would be better. Someone else is more qualified. Someone else is, is more prepared. So we want to say, God, no, 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 no. I'm here, and I hear you. I hear your call, but, but could you send someone else? How many of you have been there? How about this week? <laughs> right? And I love in, in this particular story, I think of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. We, we're familiar with the story of Moses probably in the burning bush where God shows up to him. And in verse 10, it says this. So now... God's talking to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God's call is clear. Here's what I want you to do, Moses. I've got an assignment for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And watch what Moses says. But Moses said to God, verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You see, that is... What happens when we're insecure is our immediate question is, God, who am I? Who am I that I might do this? Who am I that I should do this? Who am I that I'm, I'm qualified to do this or prepared or ready to do this? See, the insecure heart simply says, who am I? But God doesn't want your attention to be on you, right? He wants your attention to be on him. Because when he calls you, he empowers you. He equips you. He qualifies you. He prepares you. And I love, you see here, what is God's answer to our own insecurity? In the next verse, you can see, in the very next verse, uh, God told Moses, Nevertheless, I will be with you. I will be with you. You see, that is God's only answer to our own insecurity. That is his answer to every excuse we want to throw at him about why we can't do the things that he's asking us to do. He looks us in the eye and says, It's okay. It's not about you. Watch and see what I can do through you if you make yourself available. Here's my promise to you. I will be with you. And because I'm with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Right? If God is for us, then who can be against us? So we have the runner, we have the insecure, and finally we have the obedient or the willing, or the eager. And, and the eager simply prays what Isaiah said, God, here am I, send me. God, I'm here. I hear your calling, and I want you to know that I'm available. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm here. My heart is open to you. Why do you think we're scared to pray this kind of dangerous prayer of availability? I believe the reason why we're scared is because it's scary. That's profound. We are scared of this because it's actually scary. Think about this. You're going to write God a blank check and say, here's my whole life. Use it however you want to. That's scary. Right? That is scary because who knows if you pray that prayer, he might send you across the room to offer a word of encouragement to someone who desperately needs it today. Or, or maybe he'll send you across the world to share the gospel with someone who's never heard the name of Jesus before. See, it's scary because we do not know what God is going to ask us to do. Perhaps if we pray this prayer of availability, then God's going to send us uh, for the rest of our lives to be missionaries in Africa. 
And we're going to spend the rest of our days uh, dirt broke. We'll never see electricity again. And we'll have to go through a bathroom and a big hole in the ground for the rest of our lives. Right? That's, that's what we fear is going to happen. Or maybe we fear if we make ourselves available to God, he's going to ask us to repair that broken relationship. That one you've been running from or are hiding from. That hurt you've been unwilling to uh, face and address. Maybe we're scared to pray a prayer of availability because God will ask us to do something hard. And that's okay. It's okay to recognize that. So what do we do when we recognize that we're scared to pray this kind of prayer? Hope you have your pens ready. This is going to change your life. Go ahead, get your pens ready. Here's what we do. Write it down. What do you do when you're scared to pray this prayer? Do it scared. Pray it scared. It's okay to be scared. It's not okay to let fear hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. So even in our fear, even when we're scared, we say, okay, God, here am I. Use me. Here am I. Send me. Amy reminded me just uh, a couple of minutes ago um, that before the service began that this was the week that Eric and I left last year to head out on an around-the-world trip to visit some of our, our missions partners. And when we were in the United Arab Emirates, uh, we were visiting this incredible family. And they had this idea. They said, why don't we take you guys today to go do this, this, uh, this crazy zip line? We have the longest, highest zip line in the world. And it's incredible. And Eric was like a kid in a candy shop. He was super excited. He's like, yeah, let's go. And I'm thinking, no, I am terrified of heights. But I couldn't let Eric be braver than me, right? So I put on a brave face as best as I could. Like, yeah, let's do this, guys. I'm ready. I was terrified. I, I did not want to do this. this the longest zip line is almost two miles long. And, and it tells you, you know, they, they set you up and they, they're going to drop you like, you know, you're facing down. And then you, you go. And then all of a sudden the mountain disappears and there's like a two or 3,000 foot drop. And this is someone who's terrified of heights. So while they're hooking me in, while they're tying me up, here's what I'm thinking. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. I got to pee, right? I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. Right? I'm freaking out internally. I'm keeping a brave face on, right? I can't let anyone know, but I am freaking out. This is crazy. And let's watch this little, this little clip. Give you a little taste of what we're talking about here. So there, the ground disappears. All right. So this idea, I would show you the whole thing, but it just goes and goes because it's long. It's the world's longest zip line. And as I'm getting ready, like I said, I'm thinking, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. And as soon as we got off the mountain and I was flying and I reached speeds of over 90 miles per hour, I found myself saying something different. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. It was so incredibly cool. And I learned a valuable lesson that day. Hanging, suspended, thousands of feet above the ground by nothing but a few wires and a little blanket. I learned a lesson that says this, if, if we're not willing to put ourselves in this is crazy moments, we might never get to experience those this is awesome moments. And the same thing, I believe, applies to our spiritual life. If we're not willing to step outside of what we're comfortable with, of what feels safe, 
If we're not willing to put ourselves into some situations that if God doesn't come through, we are in deep, deep trouble. Right? If we're not willing to experience that, if we're not willing to walk through that, we won't get to see those moments of breakthrough, those moments where things just seem so awesome. And I feel like it's important to know, just to close this story out, that I beat Eric down to the end. But they stopped me short. I was kind of heavy. They, they weren't sure how to break me, so they did stop me short. And I was so excited. Eric was way back in my desk somewhere. And then I had to pull myself in at the end, and then Eric went flying right past me. I was like, so close, so close to victory. Are you willing to put yourself into this is crazy moment? Are you willing to, to trust God enough to pray this prayer of availability? And that's what it really comes down to. It comes down to this question of trust. Because the reason why we can't pray this prayer is usually because we're afraid of what God will ask us to do. And I would gently offer this to you this morning, church. If, if you're unwilling to pray this prayer because you're afraid of what God's going to ask you to do, may I suggest that perhaps you don't know his heart as well as you need to? Because what happens is when, we, when we're able to come to the Lord and we're able to trust in him, we've had experiences with him, we know that we can trust his heart. I want us to look at this whole passage as we close this morning in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, just uh, verses 1 to 8. And here's the thing is I believe having these God encounters goes a long way into helping us trust the heart of God. When we encounter him, when we experience him, we grow in our trust of him. You see, there's two ways to get in this place where we, we come to know God's heart before we read the text. One is theology. We learn a lot about him. And the other is relationship. We actually get to experience him and get to know him. And I know there have been seasons in my own life when I've been very good at learning about God. I've been very good at studying and growing in my knowledge of God. And that's important. But it's also important that we actually experience him and are touched by him. That we allow his transforming touch to, to minister to our hearts. Because these, these God encounters, as we'll see, they go a long way in helping us trust the heart of God. Could it be that we have a hard time trusting him? Could it be that the reason we have a hard time trusting him is because we haven't experienced him lately? Could it be that we've settled for learning about him at the expense of really getting to know him? Could it be that we've traded an intellectual understanding of God for an intimate connection with God. I think it's a danger we all have to confront. And in this case, church, I want you to know you can have it all. You can learn about him and experience him. You can, you can study him and intimately know him. But sometimes we've got to put ourselves in positions. We've got to open our hearts up for these moments where we can actually encounter the living presence of God. So as we close, let's read this passage together in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, sitting on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were two seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. 
And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And with it, which, we, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And then, after all that, after I've seen the Lord, after I've been convicted of my sin, after I've been touched by his presence, and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for me? And I said, Here am I. Send me, Lord. See, this is important. Before Isaiah was able to pray this dangerous prayer of availability, he had an encounter with the holiness and the majesty and the glory of the living God. He had this vision, and he says, I saw the Lord. And what he saw stunned him as he was overwhelmed with God's majesty and glory and magnificence. And what he saw convicted him of his own sin, of his own filth, to where he cried out, Woe is me! I am ruined! Cleanse me! So he prayed last week. And then what he saw opened his heart to be used by God for his purposes. You see, I believe it was this encounter with the living God that led Isaiah to this place where he could say, Here am I, send me. And here's what I know, church. God wants to meet with you. He wants you to experience his kindness and his goodness, his mercy and his might. He wants you to experience his love and his compassion. He wants you to encounter him for who he is because when that happens, it sets in motion all these other dangerous prayers where we say, search me, O God. Speak to me, Lord. Cleanse me, God. Speak to me. Send me. It all comes out of this experience of knowing about and experiencing the living God. God wants to reveal himself to you. And that's the first step towards moving towards this dangerous prayer of availability. James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. These dangerous prayers, they take us out of our comfort zone into the realm where we can meet with God, into the space where we can be touched by his son, and into the space where we can be sent by his spirit. And so this morning, I hear the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would be a courageous people of people willing to pray this dangerous prayer of availability, that we would say when he says, whom shall I send and who will go, that we'll say, Lord, here am I, use me. Here am I, 
send me. Sometimes it's a small step. But you never know how one small step today might turn into a giant leap tomorrow. For me, when I prayed this prayer, it led me to go on my first mission trip. Small step. Ultimately, it changed the trajectory of my life. Massive leap. You see those massive leaps where God uh, creates these holy shift moments in our lives, right? They're born out of small steps. They're born out of these prayers of availability. And I would be remiss to be in this moment and, and thinking about my first mission trip to not invite you to join us for a mission trip this year. Shameless sales pitch, okay? On your seats is these little postcards, and we've got three trips coming up this year we want you to know about. We're going to be taking a team to the Philippines this summer uh, to rescue girls who have been caught in the clutches of human trafficking. It's going to be a, a, a pretty intense trip. If you're interested in that, uh, you can find more information online. We're also going to have a virtual trip on April 6th where we're going to meet the ministry in a one-and-a-half-hour online session. Uh, you could check that out as a baby step, right, to finding out more about that ministry that we're going to work with. We're also going to do our family mission trip, not at spring break. We're going to do it at Thanksgiving break this year. So we're going to go to Acuna, Mexico, and, and build a home for a family in need. And then finally in December, we're planning to do a, an urban compassion outreach in inner city New York where we're going to go and, and minister to the homeless there and put on children's programs for kids living in homeless shelters. Uh, these are three uh, mission trip opportunities. There might be more, but this is what we know of so far. I want to challenge you. Would you pray a prayer of availability and ask the Lord uh, if he wants you to go on one of these trips? And maybe it's smaller than that. It's, it's, it's closer to home than that. Maybe the Lord will put it on your heart to volunteer in our deacon's closet, our clothing ministry for the homeless right across the street. We have an urgent need for more volunteers. So if you're interested in that, let me know. But whatever you do, whatever your step looks like, I encourage you, pray this prayer and then take a step. Don't just pray the prayer. Pray the prayer and then put it into action. Take a step forward. We also, some of you were asking in our last business meeting about information about our missionaries. We're working on updating a website. Uh, information's on this card. There's also a link online and hopefully a link coming in the chat soon uh, that will show you where you can go to find more information about the missionaries we support. I simply want to challenge you. Make yourself available. This prayer is dangerous because a single small step could have a massive impact on your life in the years to come. But if you know and trust the heart of good, it's easier to pray this courageous prayer. So Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. And we pray, even in these next few minutes, Lord, that we might have an experience with you, that we might have an encounter of your love and kindness towards us. Lord, we ask that you would bring us to a place where we're willing to open our hearts and our lives to pray this courageous prayer. Lord, we hear your voice. And we say, here we are. Send us, Lord. We're available. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.